Daniel Lujinia could not believe his luck. It was November the 8th. Donald Trump had just won the U.S. presidential elections in 2016. And Lou was Donald Trump's guest at Trump headquarters for the campaign's victory celebrations. That was followed soon afterwards by tickets to the inauguration, which he also attended. Lou had come a long way in just a short time. Just a few months earlier, he was a volunteer making calls for Trump at the campaign's canvassing center. Lou then joined forces with other pro-Trump Chinese Americans to form the American Chinese Tinkra League. Trump liked the whole idea very much. He even tweeted about it, which is a big deal when he could tweet. And it's not a bad thing for a political novice like Lou to have achieved that. But he didn't stop there. Lou then became a top Trump campaign funder. He was appointed as Trump's Asian co-chair in New York. And then the RNC, the Republican National Committee, contracted him out as an official fundraiser. Lou also set up a WeChat group for Chinese nationals. And it's there that he published some pretty stunning worldviews, including amplifying the Hunter Biden tapes, which, as you know, many suspect may have originated out of China. Now, normally WeChat groups are limited to just 500 people by the CCP, but not Lou. He was allowed to have 8,000 followers as part of his WeChat group. Lou's crew also held campaign events in Pennsylvania, including this raucous affair outside the Trump Tower in New York. And one of Lou's associates, a guy named Jeffrey Liu, is such a big celebrity in the Communist Party world that he even got his own postage stamp with his face on it. I don't know the CCP handed out things like that, but apparently they do to the people they like. Protested around Philadelphia, we went to Chinatown to get votes for Trump, he says. It's really interesting that Lou is actually appearing on NTD, which is a Falun Gong-associated television network in the United States. They're supposed to be anti the Communist Party of China, but in fact, here they are with a celebrity from the Communist Party of China. Chinese voters made a decisive contribution in the final weeks, Liu says. That if I cannot express my political views, then it is not a free country, he said. We proved this is a free nation. That's the postage stamp guy, right? Now, back to Lu. Lu claims to have been a student protester on the front lines of Tiananmen Square in 1989. That's how he was able to immigrate to the United States as a dissident and enrolled in the Columbia School of Journalism while working for a U.S.-based Chinese newspaper. Now, despite claiming to be a Tiananmen protester, Lu Jinier says that it's the Trump experience that is the first political movement in which he was truly deeply involved in his life. And involved he was. Do you recall Cindy Yang? She was the Chinese national who hosted Chinese businessmen at weekly get-togethers at Mar-a-Lago. Here she is with uh, the current governor of Florida, DeSantis, and some Chinese businessmen, as one does. Now, it's interesting as well that most of these Chinese businessmen paid a lot of money to come over to see the president and other officials. And in fact, they did so so they can get photos just like these. Cindy Yang here with Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and of course, the former president himself, Donald Trump. But it's also interesting that she is associated with Daniel Liu. Here's a photograph of them together at Mar-a-Lago. And then 19, Liu was named alongside Yang in a complaint, alleging that Chinese nationals were attending these fundraiser events, getting their photographs with Donald Trump and the family. But apparently, according to the organizers, they weren't paying any of the funds and no fundraising was happening. Now, the complaint alleges that this can't possibly be true. And that it's far more likely that American names or identities were used, but the actual bill was footed by the Chinese nationals. And that way, it would be illegal for these foreign nationals to be contributing to the Donald Trump campaign. The Miami Herald later reported that Jinier Daniel Liu, a United States-based promoter for the Chinese Communist Party, that's how they identified him. The Miami Herald identified him as a Chinese Communist Party promoter. Also a U.S. citizen, by the way. 
Well, apparently Lou brought 30 Chinese guests to the December 2nd, 2017 fundraiser at Cipriani's in New York. That cost $2,700 per head. That's a lot of people with a lot of money. And you know that the actual cost was $2,700 a head. The total cost for these Chinese nationals was $100,000 just to get to see the president of the United States and get a photograph with him. Now, after he was so successful at bringing 30 people at $2,700 a head to Cipriani's, the Republican National Committee offered him an official fundraiser role. They contracted him out and he became an official fundraiser, which he was able to then legitimately advertise Trump campaign events across the country to his friends on WeChat or wherever. Lou told the Herald the RNC had advised him not to comment on his fundraising activities for the committee, his association with Yang, or his previous activities in conjunction with the Communist Party. Well, no kidding. Here's a Communist Party official, we think promoter currently, who is now acting as an official fundraiser for the Trump committee and doing events where Chinese nationals can come and get their photographs taken with the president of the United States. And he's a Communist Party promoter. So that's an interest of a head scratcher, especially in terms of national security issues. But there's more to it. Lou really seems to have believed, and we have no reason to disbelieve him, that there was an entire operation set up by Chinese operatives just like him to help influence the election of Donald Trump. In fact, he on NTD, when he made this remarkable confession of sorts, where he talks about how these Chinese operatives and these Chinese groups suddenly came out of the woodwork in 2016, having previously never uh, really supported any political groupings in one way or another. And suddenly in 2016, they bust out. And let's listen to him in his own words, describe how they became a real political force in 2016. Well, the first thing he says here is really interesting because he tells us that Hillary Clinton was offered a bribe of sorts via the Clinton Foundation. And when she didn't really respond to that, that's when Chinese pro-Trump groups came out of everywhere in the United States to support him. How so many pro-Trump groups came out, someone needs to write a book about, he repeated over and over again during this broadcast. Apparently wants a book. Trump was eventually elected, he says, and they had a big celebration. He attended the party at the Hilton. And they also brought people to the Trump inauguration. What Lou also said in that, in that NTD television broadcast is that they, at least his prediction was that Trump was going to win the 2020 election and that that would set off what he called a dynasty for Trump, that there would be generation and generation and generation of Trumps who would then rule America. Um, which is something I'd never heard of in terms of, of those terms. I certainly wouldn't have imagined hearing it from a, Communist Party promoter, which I think this man really is. I mean, there's no, there's lots of ways to try and identify him as different things. But when I looked at, at all the research I could find on him, even he admits that he has often been associated with the Communist Party of China, even though at any given time he might decide not to be. But his history is certainly there. So, see, here's the thing. In that speech toward the end, mm-hmm. he said this first he lavished praises for Epoch Times and NTD TV, calling them the models, and say they are beyond supporting Trump. They are just models in every aspect. You saw that. Then, toward the end, he said, this is for the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. Now, that's a united front called phrase. Mm. Basically, it's Xi Jinping's global domination 
or make China great again. Right. So annexing, annexing Taiwan, building a concentration camp to subjugate the Uyghurs, uh, cracking down Tibet, everything. Yeah. Uh, in the South China Sea to show force, everything we're talking about is great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. So when he was saying that, using the very strict coded phrase mm. to praise Falun Gong. Right. So, and, and that's, this is, that's very interesting. It is very interesting. Let's look here at how this really flows through because Falun Gong, that's that symbol that looks like a Nazi swastika at the, at the top there. It's a Falun Gong symbol. They have in Australia and in the United States and Canada two very significant operations, which are basically disinformation propaganda operations designed to reach the United States, but you know, the whole world in general with a lot of disinformation. The Epoch Times, which many people get at home for free, I believe it reaches 7 million people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm not sure that's right, but uh, that's the number there. I'm sure that's what it refers to. But, you know, there's a big operation there that is delivering disinformation in old school newspaper form to people's front doors. I'm sure your neighbors get it or your, you might get it or your family might get it. This is often the only news that people are reading is from the Epoch Times, which is a propaganda that's originating out of either the Canadian operation or the Australian operation of the United States and then being, you know, used to support Trump in the most ridiculous ways. And they have a sister TV station called NTD Television. We just saw two clips from NTD Television. Again, these are propaganda outlets that pretend to be anti-communist party and they are said to be pro-Falun Gong, but really there is not that much difference in terms of their editorial interests and the Chinese Communist Party's main ambitions. Correct. So let me offer some additional data points. Mm -hmm. So right now, you see, Chinyu Daniel Liu goes on to Epoch Times talking about the student demonstration. Right. right. This is gaslight. This to me is nothing but gaslighting because if we go back to the history of Chinyu Daniel Liu, he is a CCP loyalist from the beginning. Mm -hmm. As if you have that picture, he was invited to the 2016 Chinese military 89th anniversary celebration. I don't have that with me, unfortunately, but I know what you're talking about, and it's just because of the confusion. But this is a real picture we're talking about, where this guy that we just introduced in that in that little piece there, uh, Daniel Liu, he's there at a CCP military event. Yeah, so a CCP military event for the 89th anniversary, that's a very prestigious invitation. If you are in the, if you were in the communist circle, let's say, not those small potatoes or just the group leaders can be invited. It got to be someone. So basically, everybody invited to have a picture of that is either a military attaché or what we call the covert military attaché, meaning you have certain ranks mm. within the Communist Party. You have certain authorities. So that's a data point number one. Data point number two. Daniel Liu did some donation in 2004, and after that. He didn't do much, he said. Right. In 2016, he came out, organized major fundraising events, and mobilized the United French Networks. Now, here's something to think about. Fundraising is a very, very professional job. Mm. There's absolutely no way you can not do it for 12 years, and all of a sudden you came out, you become a national star. There's mm. absolutely no way to do that. That's number one. Number two, the United Front invested in the United States 
has probably over a thousand different offshoots and branches. There are different people with big egos. So mm. for you, for someone to come out of woodwork to mobilize hundreds of United Front organizations around the United States yeah. to get them out there to do something, this Seems is really more unlikely. than what he could accomplish. This is more than what he could accomplish by himself, but right. simply by himself. Now, here's a little bit of background. Why there are so many United Front organizations in the United States? And how many well, are we talking about? Are we talking about thousands of organizations in the United States well, that are allied to the United Front? Very good question. So, we did an incomplete count. Mm -hmm. So, in New York, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, we have 433. Now, to say, many in the D.C., Florida, these places, all of the country, Denver, Chicago, we didn't count them. Mm. Seattle, we didn't count them at all. So just in five cities, at least 433. Now, here's the thing. People would ask, why do United Front have so many branches in the United States? Remember, when Nixon opened China, it mm. became China, communist China became a quasi-ally to fight against Soviet Union. So United Front were treated as quasi-allies intelligence operation. So mm. United States let them set up operations in this country. Now, here's one thing. Cold War has ended. Or has it? These organizations are no longer there to fight Soviet Union. So what mm. are they fighting for? Mm. Let me give you one example. The biggest of all these United Front operations, there are two biggest. One is called CSSA, Chinese Student Scholar Association. Yeah. If you heard about the Thousand People Project, that's what they are busy recruiting. Sorry, the Thousand People Project, you said? The Thousand People Project, they help recruiting. Oh, I, didn't, help I, didn't, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, so basically that's, that's recruiting the, the Chinese scholars, uh, researchers in the American Institute, and then send them to China. The CSSA has 132 branches in this country, 132. They are considered legally registered organizations. So that's number one. Second network under United Front is CPPRC, the China Promote Reunification, Council Promote Reunification, something like that. So its goal is to put pressure on the Taiwan and Taiwanese in America to force the Taiwan to accept Xi Jinping's call for quote-unquote peaceful reunification, which really means annexation. Mm -hmm. So these two organizations are huge. They are legally registered in the United States. And we are talking about a pretty aggressive uh, mandate that most of these organizations have in terms of yes. acquiring research legally or illegally, uh, gaining influence in many, many ways, no matter what it is. And also um, literally, uh, you know, I don't want to say this because it's not necessarily a, an attack, but it is a, a building of influence within an existing society that is quite aggressive. In other words, running for offices, running for school boards, um, you know, filling positions wherever possible with people of Chinese uh, origin to, to gain influence within different societies. Exactly. So, Sam, you raised a very good point. So, let me offer a couple of data points. Mm -hmm. So, will these people get into the school boards and change how the school board operating? I don't think so. But here's what they can do. They have connections 
It can help money. China has a tremendous foreign exchange reserve. Mm -hmm. It can help the money to find its way into the United States. So if you look at the Chinese markets, a very significant number are real estate agents and travel agents. Guess what? They know very well how to move money and people out of the into the United States. That's number one. Mm -hmm. So they can, for example, funnel a lot of money to people like Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Green, Robert, Gates, Carlton. Now, once you find these cute candidates, then these people can funnel money to them. Now, they themselves, if they go to run for school board or congressman, I don't think they have a chance. Mm. But they can help them resource to go to these places. That's what they will do. And if you look at the Chinese magas around the world, what they continue to promote, QAnon message, anti-vaccine, mm. promoting far-right candidates. Especially on the Epoch Times. I mean, still today, I was yes. reading a story about... You know, there's just an endless amount of vaccine antagonism and trying to build polarization around these issues and a very negative on Joe Biden. And yet it does feel like they are still very much in the game because they were there in 2016 in an obvious way. We just saw through the story we just ran. That was a big effort that they put up. And uh, I'll show you a video a little in a little bit about how, how many people, what a kind of a presence they had at the various events. But they have not gone away. I mean, as we head into to the 24 election in particular, but also next year's election, these Chinese organizations are still here. These operatives are still here. Nothing's changed at all. Maybe Russia's a little bit more scared to be operating in, in America now because of the attention they got uh, post-Trump. But we have to consider that the Chinese have not shifted at all. Their Epoch Times is still here. They still have the NTD TV. Insofar as they might be related to the Moonies, we're not quite sure. They might be related to the Moonies and the Washington Times and AON. You've got a a network of influence on media, but you've also got a network of operatives on the ground, thousands or maybe even, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who could be ready to operate to disrupt an election in, in various ways. This has not been addressed at all by anybody. There doesn't appear to me like China's even been on the radar of operatives engaged in election interference. You're correct. And also, Sam, let me add one thing. Mm. So you showed that video of Jeffrey Liu on the NTV TV talking about how they helped elect Trump, right? Yes. So, so NTV TV is supposed to be an anti-CCP TV. Right. right. Okay. So let me tell you two things after that that happened. Quickly after, so a few months after he went on to NTV TV, by the way, he's a frequent guest to NTV TV. Mm. The, the Chinese Postal Service published a stamp Right. With his picture on it. Then, for a few months after they published the stamp, mm -hmm. in New York, a very large Chinese-American association, which is obviously a United Front organization, was formed, putting Jeffrey Liu as its first president, and also the formation of that association is reported as the tribute to the 19th plenum of the CCP, this is a very major event. And you know who reported that? People's Daily. Mm -hmm. So, and they shot the video for over an hour. So the Chinese are very, very strict on the so-called, the discipline of propaganda. If someone goes on to a truly anti-CCP media mm -hmm. to say something 
there's absolutely no way that you can be that People's Daily would run a second of news on you. You are Chinese people's enemy. So there's only one possibility. Somehow, NTD TV is not viewed as enemy by the standards of China's People's Daily, which is really communist China's problem. Right. I mean, it certainly seems to me that they are only anti-communist in sort of tone only. I mean, not even in tone. I haven't even seen anything on their network that even seems that, you know, vociferously anti-communist anymore, except when it's referring to the Democrats. I mean, that seems to be the only reference that they have uh, to communists is in, is in attacking the Democrats for being for being communists. Look at these pictures. There's people from these organizations were protesting in favor, obviously campaigning for Donald Trump, make America great again. And then you see some of these same faces. Jeffrey Liu was in that one picture before. You know these faces quite well, too. These are all people involved in these United Front organizations, these anti-Taiwan organizations, or at least Taiwan surrender organizations, if you will. And there there are all these giant banners outside of Trump Tower where, you know, Make America Great Again was the banner. And of course, Mr. Liu himself was inside Trump Tower often as a campaign uh, fundraiser for them, an official contracted campaign fundraiser. This is the Communist Party of China. I am floored always by the fact that whenever I see a MAGA protester or any of these people from the militia groups or even Q and their number one focus when you hear, you know, uh, Alex Jones talk to any of those people is how anti-communist they are. You know, this is the thing that they're rallying against is their communist party. When in fact, it seems to me that the entire movement is funded in part by the communist party of China. That's where a lot of this funding is coming through, whether it's coming through these political travel trips that they are doing and selling to Chinese or people, or whether it's coming through other sources, maybe through some of the evangelical churches, maybe it's coming through some of these funding sites. We certainly know the Proud Boys have been funded by Asian nationals who have funded them through these sites. It does seem to me like a much bigger issue than people have, have really resonated with, is that how firstly the money is coming from China, but also the very thing that they're protesting against is the thing that they're being funded by. And uh, Sam, I just sent you the, the, the documentary clip about uh, the, how the Soviet Union and the Nazi were collaborating. So right. for anybody who is interested, you can go back to find a documentary called The Soviet Story, mm. in which you will see very elaborately how the Soviet, the Soviet communists work closely with Nazi when they invade to Western Europe, Poland, and so on. How closely they co collaborated. So you can do a school search on a YouTube search. Mm. It's on there. So to communists, whether you are rhetorically against communists, that's not a problem at all. They have a long history of working with people who are rhetorically against them. Now, here's one more thing. Controlled audience, controlled opposition mm. is core to their operation. So there are many people who come out as the anti-CCP. Now, let's go back to Daniel Lu. Of course, on the NPD and so on, Daniel right now tried to portray him as his, his, he was waken up by the Tiananmen crackdown, so on and so forth. Mm. But if you really look into his record, he has been holding progressively more important United Front positions, at least since 2007. Yeah, so, for someone, United, yeah, so for someone, United Front, CCP's premier intelligence operation has been promoting 
since 2007. What how likely you think they didn't find out he was anti-CCP right. or his gaslighting was not based on facts. I've read a lot about him in the last few days, and I got to say, he even he doesn't believe he can say he's, he's anti-CCP, but he makes a distinction between saying that, you know, you can be pro-China and pro-Chinese and anti-Communist Party, which is sort of how he, he tries to, you know, divide his thinking there, meaning he can still be incredibly nationalistic, as he is in these two articles from the Epoch Times, where he talks about, you know, how good Trump is for China and for the Chinese people. But he doesn't necessarily have to say that he's pro-communist party. And I think that's the way he slices it. But in reality, even in some of these other articles that I've read, he has admitted readily that he, uh, in the past, has been a member of the communist party and supportive of them. He goes to embassy uh, events all the time. He's been spotted at embassy events. As you point out, he speaks at United Front events all the time. This is not a stranger to the communist party of China or, or the United Front. And then there he is next to the former president of the United States and an official campaign fundraiser, for, you know, raising money out of China for Donald Trump. It just blows my mind away. I, you know, it's not something you, you can laugh at because it's so scary, but it's also just the reality of where we are in American politics right now, where our controls of everything seem to have diminished to such an extent that you can actually seem to get away with this. I mean, there have been complaints, but nothing's been done. Yes. Sam, let me add one thing. So, we know that uh, Jeffrey Liu was a frequent guest to NTD, and then he got his stamp published. Then we have Daniel Liu, who was a frequent guest to both the NTD Epoch Times and the United Front events. So let's talk about a third. So one of the guys who was in your video that was shown is a United Front leader. Mm -hmm. he, was, he held this press conference to call on Tsai Ing-wen to surrender to Xi Jinping. Right. At the same time, right. he is a content contributor with his own name on Epoch Times. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, so he's calling for Taiwan to be reunited. To surrender. So, surrender, yeah. so, so, so let me ask our, our audience this question. Even if you have some very strong political view, mm -hmm. how likely you will go to a high-end restaurant carve out a corner for the press conference, then you invite some TV station to join. Mm. Not very it's likely. Not very likely. Not very likely. I mean, these guys have clearly got a lot of money. Their events are always really, uh, you know, spectacularly well or loudly held. And it looks like they uh, are here to stay. I mean, it doesn't look to me like they are in any way retreating. These are a new American reality for politics here. It's an American Chinese or Chinese American um, subset of Asian Americans who are very uniquely positioned in favor of extreme right-wing things and very, very much aligned with Putin and with, with Xi. I mean, it's, you know, it's significant enough a piece of the population to be saying that it has real influence over the political spectrum. And it's certainly wealthy enough to be able to buy a lot of that influence. Correct. Let me add one more thing. So among the Chinese-American communities, these people are actually the French element. They are despised. Right. We don't like them. However, to millions of Chinese-Americans who love this country, we are scared to death. Because if these bad apples are not monitored, if let's say next year many of the QAnon candidates are financed by CCP mm -hmm. to take over a house, Remember, we fled China because of communism. Mm 
Right. We don't want to see that this country is taken over by people supported by the communists and their agents. Mm -hmm. No, of course not. I think it's the last thing anyone wants to see except for the small group of people. What is stunning to me is the trick they're playing on uh, Trump supporters and how that's somehow you know succeeding in, in their they're believing that they're actually fighting the communist party of china by supporting an organization and supporting presidents who or candidates if as you point out cure candidates who are actually might be getting funding from that very communist party of china that to me is a very disturbing development let me add one more thing today we don't have time to cover it but seth based on the information i provided you clearly see that caft is not only involved in supporting electing trump in 2016, mm-hmm. but they are actively involved in participating in the planning of January 6th. Right. And by doing so, they actually recruited many so-called Chinese dissidents right. to join the info war and call for it. So, I actually was I was going to leave it front of the show because there's so much to talk about, but it's worth raising here because here's Bob Fu, um, who is a well-known evangelical leader in the uh, Chinese-American community. And here he is in front of the Supreme Court. This is, I think, on the 5th of January, just before the insurrection, the day before. The Jericho Prayers refers to a event they held on December 12th, which was a, a religious uh, march held by the same people who held the insurrection. Here is another picture, uh, Patriots Rise Up to Corruption and Tyranny, Free and Fair Elections, Buying into the Stop the Steal and then also here, so proud of being part of uh, this great moment. And, you know, we are at a real crossroads and we are not through it. And just discovering all these different elements as we will over the next uh, week and as we head to the finale of narrative this year, you know, I've been putting together, this is just a piece of what it looks like when you lay out all these different players and figure out how they're all connected. And, you know, there are Russian disinformation agents here. There are very many operatives from uh, other countries, Israel, Saudi Arabia, UAE are here. You've got um, many militia groups. You've got many information networks like um, the Washington Times, OAN, Infowars, you name it. And you've got uh, the churches. You've got the evangelical churches. You've got the people who filled out that crowd on January the 6th. And next week, we'll be revealing a lot more about how, particularly the Russian operatives, how much influence they had on building that day. But as you point out, clearly the Chinese were also present and must have been involved in the planning as well, um, as we look at it, as were the Moonies and, and you know, various right. other groups. Let me add one thing. Yes. I think this country has not discussed one scenario at all, which is, what if it's the Russians providing the technique and Chinese providing the money to have a global operation? I think it's, that's exactly right. There's no one anywhere. No one else has the money, you know, and I think about who might be funding as well, Israel and Saudi Arabia, even though they do have some money, it certainly helps them choose sides. And there's no doubt that money laundering plays a big piece of this illegal criminal activity, organized crime plays a big piece of this. And, and all of that uh, money needs to land somewhere. If they have it, they're going to use it to try and uh, overthrow democracy. And this is why we're such at a perilous moment. We're no longer just, uh, you know, it, it might have been okay just to think about Russia as, a, as the only enemy we have to fight in the next few years as we battle for democracy, but we're not. We're f- battling 
the majority of the world, it seems, ultimately. Uh, most countries that are either monarchy-based or have dictatorships have seemed to have made up their mind that they're not as interested in democracy as, uh, as they might have been before. And, you know, there are still countries that appear to be democratic and appear to be liberal, but there are fewer and fewer every day. You know, this is a real moment for America, and this is a real moment for democracy in general, which basically means human rights. I mean, we have not been in an era of darkness, in an era where there's been no freedom for centuries, and we are facing that kind of future again, especially when you look at what China is doing at home to its own uh, residents, to its own citizens, the human rights abuses, the disappearances, whether it's on social media or elsewhere, of their actresses and singers and athletes. I mean, this is a very difficult scenario to contemplate that's, you know, people can be disappeared after having these successful careers and, you know, because they're not towing the party line. That is the future we're staring at if we can't save democracy in the next few years. And, uh, Sadly, that's what we're looking at. I mean, there's no way, there's no way to sugarcoat it. So, Mr. X, I appreciate everything you're doing. And I know it's more than just you. There's a group of you that are very helpfully uh, providing information to people like me and elsewhere. And I really appreciate that because I think it creates a, a, a feeling of everyone caring. And, uh, and that's really important in this, in this times that we all bond and unite and, uh, and fight the good fight for democracy. Thank you, sir. Because to every Chinese American who loves this country, this is our country too. Right. And I think that's so important as a takeaway. This is not about being anti-China or anti-Chinese at all. I mean, this is, and I think that's one thing that scares people a lot about shows that are so specific um, to, to countries. I'm not trying to say that all Chinese people are in any way involved in this. That is not at all. I don't think any Chinese, I think the majority of Chinese people would be opposed to everything that's going on. But the Chinese regime in Beijing clearly has a very different point of view of how it wants to see the world go. And those are the people that I'm talking about who are um, actively involved in all of this. Thank you for being here tonight. I hope we'll have you be back, Mr. X. Uh, it was really interesting to do the show with you tonight and getting all this information out. I hope our viewers check um, um, our website out, narrative.org. And also, if you're interested in subscribing or becoming a patron of Narrative, it's patreon.com forward slash narrative patreon.com forward slash narrative. Don't forget, you can also subscribe on YouTube and on Twitter under my name at Zev Shalev or at Narrative TV on Twitter. Um, please subscribe to all our outlets and don't forget to download our podcast because the more you listen to us, the better it is for everybody. So thank you very much for joining us tonight and have a very good night.